0: can not be better really two fantastic results in the, the past what week or so and coming right to the business end of the season it's all
1: looking good absolutely fantastic I cannot believe we are where we are and listen I, I'm going to be very cautious not to jinx the Champions League throughout this whole episode at uh, no but if at any point you hear me referring to us being in the final as some kind of foregone conclusion I want you to pull me up on it Ed and say no no we've still got that second leg to play yeah but it's a foregone conclusion, isn't it? No, no, we've still got that second leg to play. I'm sorry, listeners, I tried. Uh, I, do you know what? United
0: could put out the Youth Cup side and, and do enough to get through this. And Schalke were so poor. They were just unbelievably poor. I mean, I mean, they were so poor, I wondered whether someone put something in
1: their drink. That's how bad they were. When you said they were so poor then, it sounded like it was going to be the the punchline of a joke coming. You know, They were so poor. How poor were they? They were so poor, I thought somebody had put something in their drink. It's not, not very well-crafted. Joe um, let's talk about the Everton game first shall we since it happened earlier in time I was terrified when I saw that team sheet
0: yeah well a few risks taken weren't there yeah I mean it was, it was just one of those and, and especially with Everton having you know lost once in the past six or seven matches or, or whatever it was and it was,
1: was one of those you thought uh oh this has got banana skin written all over it yeah absolutely and the the choice of Evans at centre back when I think it's pretty universally acknowledged that he's certainly not having the best of seasons, well, uh, I
0: think he acknowledged it, didn't he? So, given given he's uh, barely played, and in fact, the last time he did play, he, he tried to kneecap somebody, and uh, and and he's had a very poor season. Yeah, he, he said it was a risk, and and it certainly was.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, and of course, the central midfield axis of the G bomb, and a man who we were asked on Twitter to start calling the A-bomb, A bomb—a little harsh, perhaps. Anderson, who suffered once again from the reverse curse of the rank cast, we struck again as we had spent some time. Talking about how we weren't convinced that Anderson would make it at United, and I think he put in his perhaps his best shift of the season against Everton.
0: Yeah, well, I mean that wouldn't be hard to do. It would, yeah, and he and he he played in a you know decently advanced position, which I, I guess helps him at least you know show some attacking skills. And and, it, and in fact maybe maybe the A bombs not uh, not appropriate. Maybe he should you know play play just behind the strike and We can call him the the A hole. outrageous talk. It's look he he did all right, but this is a player that United spent the best part of 30 million euros on uh, and uh, doing all right and you know he'll come good one day uh, after three seasons at United it isn't really enough and, and uh, that's not to have a go at the fella because he, he had a decent game it's just it decent isn't enough right he should be we should be talking about Anderson in terms of of uh, his potential influence on the Champions League final not that I'm assuming the Schalke second leg's a foregone conclusion of course <laughs> even if it is uh, uh, and, and we should be saying he's going influence that game he's he's a key player I think I think there would be a collective groan if Anderson was picked for the final because it almost certainly would mean that Hernandez uh, was not and so yeah I I'm just I'm just not convinced by Anderson they'll keep him because he signed a new contract and there's no chance they'd get a return on their investment right now so they might as well but but um he's got a lot to do to, to prove to me that he's worth the money
1: well, um, I'm glad to see that you're keeping up your end of the bargain and the enabling the, the reverse curse of the rank cast to keep going. I, I thought he was absolutely excellent against Everton. I think saying he was okay is incredibly harsh. Uh, I thought his range of passing, the, the, the weighting of his passing was excellent. I mean, everybody kind of got out of their seat for, for the one particular through ball to Hernandez that Hernandez blasted in from a narrow angle but that that was an absolutely stunning pass and there were a few of them he was full of energy full of running and given that he was playing with basically a passenger next to him I, I thought he was I thought he was excellent I thought our wide players Nani, Nani didn't have a brilliant game um, Valencia just looked fantastic in that Everton game and also again against Schalke. I, I've heard I heard a lot of people saying we weren't very good against Everton and, and I thought that was I, I felt like I was watching a different game because Everton basically offered nothing going forward and it looked like at any minute we were gonna break them down and okay it took until late in the game uh, for that lovely little Hernandez Header to, to, to break the deadlock. But if our strikers had been in slightly better sync with each other, we could have easily won that game by by a good few goals because there was just a few times when the move broke down at the last moment. One thing I, I did want to say is somebody that, that was at the game had said to me when Giggs came on he made an enormous difference because he just literally went round talking to players and getting them to calm down and especially Rooney because Rooney was getting to that kind of flappy arm frustrated stage uh, during that game because nothing was quite working in the last third and, and he he calmed Rooney right down and he was very effective for the last few minutes of the game.
0: Yeah, I, I, okay so a few, a few points in there. Well, well one and and my, my frustration with him uh, is that, uh, okay, maybe his passing was good but he still wasted it nearly 20% of the time and uh, I, I just don't know whether that's good enough. I, I really don't. For a player of his supposed class, he gives away the ball a lot uh, and uh, so that's one with him. Uh, yeah, Rooney was frustrating. I think actually the whole team were frustrated because they did play well and and uh, they just weren't scoring the goals, right? And that, that's, uh, that will inevitably lead to frustration. It's a, it's a theme that was continued for... Uh, at least forty-five minutes of the Schalke game uh, afterwards, and and then yes, Ryan Giggs. Well, his experience is vital. I mean, he's got you know, twenty years at, at United now, and and he's done this countless and countless times, and he knows exactly what's required at this stage of the season. And and I think I think it showed. I think in the end, United were patient enough to to know that. The chance would come, and and it did.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the the Rooney thing. I think you know there'll be a lot of praise of Wayne Rooney on today's show, and and it will be well deserved. But somebody said on Twitter that it's it affects the players around him as well when he starts getting frustrated in that way. Because I think there are some somewhat fragile, you know, nanny. I think particularly has a, a fairly fragile self-confidence and when Rooney flaps his arms every time there's a misplaced pass and scowls and all that kind of stuff and kind of looks around at the team as if to say none of you are good enough to play with the great Wayne Rooney and, and he doesn't do it that often but but there is something of that when he gets frustrated and it's difficult I think, I think it's damaging to the team.
0: Uh, well yes uh, I, I guess that could be given given he's the, the kind of inspirational leader or what at least was for much of last season. So the the thing is, uh, there will be games where United aren't going to batter the opposition. In fact, there've been quite an awful lot of games like that this season. And and one thing Ferguson's very good at is is uh, preaching patience to the players. And and uh, Rooney is not a man for which you know patience is a word you can use very often. He he does get frustrated. I it doesn't help his game most of the time. Some sometimes that kind of anger that comes with the frustration um, leads to something brilliant. But a lot of the time it's a, it's a counter. Uh, productive and and uh, you're right there. Uh, uh, Giggs was uh, a calming influence at a time when uh, at a time when Rooney perhaps wasn't and and maybe that does reflect on the rest of the side. It, it shouldn't. It certainly won't do with the senior players. I d- I don't think uh, how when Rooney's behaving will affect. Skulls, Vidic, Gigs, Ferdinand, and, and those kind of players, but of course they weren't—they weren't all playing against Everton.
1: No, but but all in all, what, how did you rate that performance from United? Because because I I have heard lots of conflicting things. I I thought it was a sort of seven out of ten
0: performance. So uh, United were were pretty good, yeah. It, Obviously, had loads and loads and loads of possession. Vast majority of the chances. Uh, but you, you can't get a higher
1: rating without putting the chances away, right? Yeah, no, that's true. Hernandez, once again, just, just brilliant for that goal. And, and sort of a bit tireless, really. He, he kept trying, didn't he? Yes, uh, and but that's what he does. He, just, he keeps getting into the right positions.
0: He keeps making the runs. He keeps creating space for other players. He, he works extremely hard. One thing I think he's got better at over the season is, is making the runs in the right place. I mean a lot of the early part of the season he'd he'd try and drop deep to get the ball and then try a bit too much and it was unnecessary, I thought and then probably just trying a bit too hard and and now he's he's making runs for other players uh, knowing that there'll be a ball coming his way and and uh, you know in the, in, in the end it was for him I guess a simple finish, but he did it well and that's what we've come to expect from him now
1: yeah fantastic stuff and and the Schalke game, well which of course that, that Everton game lead leaves us very very much in pole position for the league we said that Newcastle point might turn out to be a good point one rather than a bad two points drop and, and that result against Everton of course is a pretty great result for us in terms of the march to what looks like it might be our 19th league title still too early for me to be entirely confident about it but it's looking pretty fantastic isn't it
0: yeah I, I think if United don't get beaten against Everton and Chelsea I mean a couple of draws would do it for, for sure I think I, I think Blackburn are playing not well at all and, and Blackpool are, are absolutely horrible at the moment and you just can't see them getting anything at Old Trafford on the last day and, and you might say the Blackburn game's tricky but not the way they're playing at the moment so I think the, the two key games are clearly Arsenal at the weekend and Chelsea the following weekend and uh, you'd say that Arsenal have fallen to pieces uh, what have they won? Have they won just like something like twice since the Carling cup horrible record obviously threw the game away against against liverpool a terrible result against bolton and it's just a and, and a tottenham game as well it, it's the season has really you know fallen to pieces for them and you'd kind of think with without going into the preview for the, the arsenal game but you'd kind of think that arsenal have nothing to play for and united really should go down to the emirates and sweep them aside so yeah in, in a totally fantastic position
1: it's exciting stuff and talking of totally fantastic positions that's how we find ourselves in the going into the second leg of the semi final of the Champions League 2-0 up from the away leg I cannot believe I'm saying those words if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season how likely I thought that was to be the case I uh, well, especially if you'd asked me in October or November when it was all looking a bit bleak all those away draws all those very substandard performances but you have to say away from home in Europe, which I know has been a huge frustration to you for, for many years. You've found it very difficult the way we, we play away from home in Europe. I, this season it's proven incredibly effective. Well, yeah, unbeaten
0: since the game at, at Munich last year and no goals conceded and uh, absolutely can't look, can't argue with the results. So the fact is United, I mean Ferguson calls it patience uh, the other way of looking at it, looking at it is is negativity I and mean, there was none of that against Schalke of course. United were just Superior all over the pitch, and but there have been other games this season. That, for example, uh, away in Valencia, where United basically just defended and uh, and then stole a late goal. And I don't, I just don't know if that's the United way, really. I mean, I, I guess Ferguson's found a way that that works, and and in in the end, that's what counts, right? Uh, I think uh, I think all United fans would would take us being a bit cautious away from home, as long as it doesn't manifest itself into at uh, home. I wouldn't like to see Ferguson playing three defensive midfielders and trying to shut up shop in a home game, like say. Real Madrid did um against Barcelona on Wednesday night but 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 I think people would take that if, if it means a, a solid base for good results and and that's what it's proven
1: yeah and and we were just much the better side against Chalco I thought we were excellent I thought Michael Carrick was excellent but he could not believe his luck. Honestly, if you play... my, I mean, it's great for Michael Carrick to kind of continue his confidence-building run of form because he, he has been, apart from that big mistake in the semi-final, he's been excellent for, for a good few games in a row and he looked magnificent against Schalke but hard not to look magnificent when you're pretty good at passing in general and they don't come anywhere near you when you've got the ball. It was, it was, what, was, what was Rangnick thinking? I,
0: I just don't get it. I, I just could not get to the tactics at all did they just not hear the coach Did have they not seen any United games this season I mean uh, there's, there, there's a certain way of, of playing against United and it does work and that's to get physical in the centre of the midfield because that's our weakest point and pressing United uh, especially I mean Scholes didn't play obviously but Carrick's also uh, prone to this pressing Carrick and, and pressing him into making mistakes and he just got so much time on the ball they all did and, and uh, United's players are good enough to exploit that and I, I just thought it was really Surprising from from Shaka, given how good they've been in
1: in Europe. And the only reason we weren't up by a good lot of goals in the first half was the Schmeichel-esque performance of Manuel Neuer. I don't think any right-thinking Manchester United fan could have watched that performance and not thought about the Big Dane because everything about him, you know, his, his, his arm positioning, his general running-out windmillness, his kind of shot-stopping, it was very, very Schmeichel-esque, I thought. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, look, I think everyone's known for a while he's a, he's a top-class keeper who was great in the World Cup and, and before that as well in fact and great performance obviously one performance doesn't make a keeper but he does this uh, all the time he's very very obviously big guy and he's got those kind of Aryan looks to him so he's pretty scary as well and and uh, he, he brilliant performance and i think there were something like seven stops in the first half where where um united could have scored and part of part of it was not great finishing and part of it was just super goalkeeping goalkeeping
1: Yeah, and if you don't mind me saying, Ed, he looks a tiny little bit like you. I was watching the game with my mum, who of course knows you well, and uh, she she said the same thing. So this is... Tiny, tiny touch of, of uh, at United rant about Manuel. Yeah, I'm Noir. not. i sure if that's a good thing or not. Really, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I think it's a compliment in this particular case. Of course, you're a finer figure of a man than him. Oh, but, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, goes absolutely, without saying. Yeah. <laughs> body, this body is a temple. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So he, he looked excellent, but but we did get the breakthrough, and I thought it was interesting. Giggs got a few chances and squandered them fairly dramatically in the first half. Some, as you say, some poor finishing as well as some good goalkeeping, but when he took his chance he took it absolutely sublimely and because he's such a Schmeichel-esque goalkeeper I couldn't help wondering whether all those years of training against Peter Schmeichel might have helped Giggs just put, slide the ball through noah's legs because it was a very cerebral finish cerebral, I thought Cerebral yeah um,
0: well no it was yeah totally right That smart finish uh, and he had wasted quite a few chances uh, uh, but it was interesting with Giggs he had such a f- such free licence to roam and, and obviously Rooney dropped very deep and, and Giggs and Rooney almost played in a in a tandem uh, just off Hernandez and Hernandez was pulling. He met Zelda all over the place and, and um, clearly just the German Central Defensive Partnership just had no not enough pace or now or sort of skill or anything to deal with all that move, movement. And, and at 37 is just incredible really and he's just so comfortably slotted slotted in the central midfield. It's not like this first time he's ever done it of course. He, he's played there on and off for, for many years. But in fact, I think uh, when Jesper Blomqvist joined the club in 1998 or whatever it was, uh, Ferguson had convinced him to to join United because he wanted to use Giggs in a more central position. So we've been talking about uh, Ryan Giggs playing centrally for more than a decade. But at 37, it's perfect for him, I think. Uh, he, in fact, he just doesn't seem to have lost any physicality over the say. I mean, you'd say he'd lost pace from the the guy who sprinted past defenders when he was 18, but he'd lost that pace by the time he was you know in his late 20s, and yeah, and, and nothing else has gone since then.
1: No, it's it's fascinating. The curious case of Ryan Giggs. I think it's fair to say. Um, I was going to say that he he he's not had that pace for a very very long time, and the way he's adapted his game, I do wonder if it'll just stop one day. You know, if he'll just kind of hit a wall. But but he doesn't look like he's hitting that yet. And and you would think at the age of thirty seven that we might be talking about perhaps a slightly sentimental contract extension. But you know, another year looks absolutely without any shadow of a doubt doesn't it doesn't does it you know barring injury it looks like he will easily get through another season
0: oh yeah I'm sure yeah but injuries a key one yeah I, I mean maybe maybe he will hit a wall I, I suppose it, it kind of happened with Gary Neville didn't it and it seems to have happened with Paul Scholes and the legs seem to have gone somewhat. but it doesn't look like it's going to happen and absolutely he's a he's a key part of United's squad I, I'd have to say he's for all the brilliance of United on Tuesday we're still we're still a central creative midfielder sure and I obviously there's been the rumors about Wesley Schneider and I I think he would he would fit well at the club if if likely to be well overpriced given his his age. United really should have got him two years ago. But and I, I, I actually saw some analysis said, oh well now Rooney's playing deeper, it's not needed. Well, no, I I I, I disagree with that. I mean Ryan Giggs is playing as the attacking midfielder in a four four two with Rooney extremely deep, and it works as a pair, right? It's Absolutely. In, running in between the lines, creating space, creating the triangle with Hernandez as the the fulcrum of the attack, and uh, so yeah. United are still a creative midfielder sure even though Rooney has solved some of the problems.
1: Yeah I mean that's the thing Rooney needs as well as a striker to play off he needs an advanced midfielder to play off because you can't have Carrick and Fletcher with Rooney deep and Hernandez up front and it be as effective as it was with Giggs. I mean that, that could work under some, some circumstances and be a very potent counter-attacking threat or whatever but when it comes to breaking down teams who are setting out their stall to defend deep then you're going to struggle because there'll be a, a gap between midfield and and the front two albeit with a deep lying front man so in fact what might happen is that there then ends up being a gap between Rooney and Hernan so, uh,
0: I have to say probably the most likely scenario in the
1: final uh, if we extrapolate and say yeah uh, we're not no no we look Ed there's no reason whatsoever why we can't record a rant cast next week at which point if we've beaten Schalke you're free to talk about the final as much as you like but we're not talking about it until then no
0: no no it's, it's a relevant point it's a relevant tactical Point because what what, um, what Ferguson would almost certainly do is is play Rooney up front on his own. Uh, the same team bring an extra midfielder in, and and uh, we have to ask ourselves: is is the latest improvement in United's play uh, from I guess the Chelsea, well the Arsenal FA Cup game onwards? Obviously the little blip at Stamford Bridge in the league and in Liverpool, and we're around that time too. And and uh, you know through the through the Champions League ties with Chelsea, that 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 improvement in United's play has come as Rooney dropped and Hernandez has become a regular starter so Ferguson would have a choice theoretically should we no, should get it. through would he follow that path or not and I would say he probably wouldn't and uh, th- that would be a kind of shame but yeah we'll, look, we'll talk about it after we've we've uh, hammered Schalke on Tuesday night and, and uh, secured our inevitable place if, against Barcelona. <laughs> if we get
1: past Schalke I look forward to having this conversation with you then. Um, Rooney we got to talk we talked a little bit about some of the, the difficulties difficulties with Wayne Rooney in the Everton game, albeit I thought he was pretty good against Everton in general, especially as, as I said after gigs had calmed him down a bit, but he was absolutely magnificent against Schalker and he was rewarded with the most wholehearted chorus of the White Pele song I've heard since Rooneygate, which seems like a long time ago but actually wasn't. Um, it's it, it seemed to me he was taken to heart once again by the United Faithful. I'm s- Yes, he got an absolutely rousing chorus of, of the White Pele, and I, I think for sure
0: that's the loudest uh, it's been sung since uh, the, uh, the, what are they calling it now? The October Revolution. <laughs>
1: I've not heard that before. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a, you know, a bit excessive. But you know, One man sitting at Old Trafford, was it? You know, I shall not be moved until I get 250 grand a week. Well, look, uh, I, I guess memories are short and, and fans are fickle and uh, he has been forgiven and he has sort of apologised. I mean, he said, I apologise uh, if people don't think I've said sorry. That's what, that's what he said a few months ago. And uh, and then he said that he'd said sorry. And, and then this week he said... Um, uh, how crazy I was, paraphrasing here, how crazy was I to want want to leave? I, I don't want to leave, I'm committed to this club. And, and uh, he was quite um, recalcitrant about uh, about his actions. <laughs> Sorry, it's just, it's hilarious to hear Wayne Rooney described with a word that he definitely wouldn't know what it meant. Yeah, well, yeah, um, as we can tell from his uh, Twitter utterings in the, the past couple of weeks, yeah. So so I think he does feel remorse for how he behaved and he is sorry, but he hasn't actually said, I'm sorry, but you know, I guess we'll forgive him that and, and uh, the fans have forgiven him that and he's clearly, he's clearly a key player in United's, United's, uh, you know, last, what, five, six games did it, something? like that so depending on the inevitability of our victory over Schalke next week
1: Um, off air before we started recording you said he'd essentially given four half apologies which by my maths adds up to two full apologies Uh, meaning not only has he apologised he's apologised twice I'm I'm finding Wayne Rooney increasingly endearing which is a worry because I know it's all a trick of course actually uh, it's not all a trick The the truth of him as a character is that he is plagued by the kind of dualities that are inevitable for a person in his position because at the same time he's a sort of likeable kid and a massive egomaniac that both things are true and you know there was a long period where people said okay becoming a dad seems to have changed Rooney and he seems to have settled down and then obviously there was a good bout of some serious off-the-field shenanigans, but it does seem that his family life is somewhat under control. I'm not convinced that Wayne Rooney is good enough at PR to be using his Twitter account to convey that impression.
0: No, no. Right, well, you're you're right, um, and uh, and that, that at that time that people were thinking he'd sell down, he was he was having a bash at hookers. So um, clearly he hadn't. And but the the, the twist things really interesting because apparently um, so it is reported, uh, Paul. Stretford, his his uh, agent who's uh, not well liked by uh, well frankly anyone, anyone? Um,
1: Miss, Mrs. Stretford probably
0: likes it I, I doubt it and he probably doesn't like himself much when he's looking in the mirror in the morning And, and uh, but apparently he's against this because well you know, this is Wayne Rooney, he's he's neither very articulate uh, nor very PR savvy is he so it, it seems like a disaster waiting to happen and of course uh, the papers will be watching every single tweet with interest uh, waiting to, to twist his words into anything they possibly can, on the other hand, he has apparently been guided by his uh his wife and and rio Ferdinand into doing it and um using it as a channel to to chat to the fans. He's already got three hundred thousand followers
1: his choice of Twitter handle I, I, I really like Twitter so I, I apologise to the people that hate it for this conversation because I know it's a bit divisive and some people do dislike it but I really enjoy it and I've certainly really enjoyed being part of the part of aspects of the United community on Twitter we'll talk about some of the less pleasant aspects when we talk about at the G-bomb um, I can't believe he didn't go with that anyway Um, at Wazzaroon 08 Rune 08 I, I mean it's just if you were doing it as a a PR exercise definitely wouldn't call yourself wazzaroon 8
0: No, I think who- Ferguson calls him Wazir. So uh, I guess that's one that's just taken off. It's oh, it's really quite ugly, isn't it? But
1: there you It's go. it's, it's it, it is. But there's something about wazzaroon 8 that makes him sound like this friendly, lovable chap you know he's he's own it's oh, it's old wazaroon having a bit of a wazaroon about the place he's wazarooning it yeah, up is
0: it what do you, what do you reckon is it, is it his age or his iq um.
1: no the oh eight hey, he said it's uh, it's for champions of england champions of europe and all that it's uh, it's, uh, it's a it's a reference to that great night in Luznicki. Mm, yes that's 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 what he said he did, he did start uh,
0: at the club with number 8 of course so man you know me could have been that
1: too that's true um he's 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 been interesting so far we now know that his favorite movie is the Lion King or at least if it's not his favorite movie he's seen it for at least a hundred he's seen it at least a hundred times he watched it watched it with little Kai and he suggests that perhaps he enjoys it more than little Kai he, yeah he, I, I, do you think rooney has got the plot yet though I I don't know perhaps not I think maybe just likes the songs and the little lions running about the place and uh, he's just revealed pretty much as we record this that uh, some a newspaper has hacked his phone he's apparently he's not surprised about that he's, he's congr- Congratulated, Gerard P. K. on his uh, performance last night and, and the Barca result and he's uh, said that he's beating Michael Owen on Ronnie O'Sullivan's snooker on the iPad for which I'm sure his bank manager is extremely grateful <laughs> yes well Michael uh, I'm surprised
0: Michael Owen's not be- be- better today he hasn't got very much to do these days aside from watch horses uh, and yes and, and he he revealed he's got a he, uh, Wills and Kate Mark to watch the, uh, the Royal Wedding with oh dear that's brilliant
1: <laughs> just, absolutely couldn't write it it's like what do you think Wayne and Colleen will be doing when they watch the wedding oh bless them but yeah anyway I I, it's it's he's definitely used it to show the down-to-earth likeable lad side of his character so far but you know it's going to end in horrible PR disaster there's I can't see any way that it won't because obviously he's in a good patch of form at the moment and he's clearly kind of a bit high on life at the moment uh, and high on Red Bull as well as we know from him watching the, the the Man City game in the stands but but at some point, he's going to have a Twitter meltdown, isn't he?
0: Well, th- this is the thing. Someone should make sure he keeps away from it uh, in the immediate aftermath. Of course, they all carry around their iPhones these days. So in the immediate aftermath of getting sent off, losing a big game, being frustrated, getting a bad decision by one of the referees, whatever it is, uh, keep away from it. You know, take Count to 10, 100, if you can get that far. Harsh, harsh, very, very harsh. And, and just don't touch it for a while because, yes, it will be a disaster and and I find it amazing. I mean, eventually the papers will get bored of this, but right now they are writing whole stories based on a few Twitter. I mean, it, part of part of it, of course, is that um, the press get very little access to the players these days, and, and the relationship between players and uh, the press has broken down. And it's a two way thing. The press get very little access, except in uh, in sort of corporate sponsorship events. And uh, when the press do get access, they they twist the words uh, to such an extent that the tra- the players don't trust the papers anymore and we of course we we had confirmation of this if any was needed uh from michael uh owens conversation with some of the press in the past few weeks and on twitter again
1: yeah, and he, I mean, it is fascinating in terms of access, just that I was going to say, you know, you, you talked a lot earlier in the season about access and, and, and how it affects the relationship between the players and the players and the press, but also the players and the fans. Because I think one thing that Rio is, because I think Rio obviously is 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 quite gifted when it comes to PR, he's definitely using it to convey a, yes, I may be a multi-millionaire footballer who's won everything under the sun, but I am just an ordinary person who plays with his kids and has dinner and watches is telly and all those kinds of things you know and 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 i think partly i think i believe that there's an aspect of that which is profoundly genuine that that's that is who he is because becoming a multi-millionaire and getting the adulation and all that kind of stuff that that a career at the very highest levels in football brings doesn't stop you being a real human being and doesn't stop you having all the same thoughts and feelings and needs it just skews your world
0: view right totally totally yes and and it's uh it's a very natural thing with rio because he is pretty media and commercially savvy and and the only time he ever really irritates me aside from some of the ridiculous Language is is when he starts shilling his products, which he does he does from time to time, which which look, is probably fair enough anyway. And, and there's no there's there's no rule that says he shouldn't do that. And he, he does it in a sensitive enough way; it's not completely crass. Uh, and some some players just aren't as good as this. Cristiano Ronaldo's account, for example, I very much doubt he ever touches it. It's clearly some PR guy there, isn't it? Just writing it for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo's account in in big inverted yeah. commas, uh,
0: and and then then Few others which are pretty difficult to follow. Nani's got one. He, he doesn't actually tweet that often. And Antonio Valencia, who tweets only in Spanish, so depending on how good your Spanish is, you can you can follow him too.
1: Nani tweeted earlier today um, that he him and his cousin have painted the wall of what looks like his swimming pool room with a big picture of a shark and some fishies. Oh
0: well, it takes it makes a difference from him uh, do, doing artwork of himself because he's got that giant statue in his garden.
1: <laughs> um, before we move off the vexed topic of Twitter, we cannot move on without discussing at DGibbo28 the short-lived G-Bomb Twitter account. Now my theory is it's not that he's been hounded off Twitter it's just that he realised he made a terrible mistake and didn't sign up with at the G-Bomb and he's just trying to negotiate with whoever owns that at the moment to get himself his proper rightful Twitter account. Who does own the G-Bomb? Have you checked it out? No I haven't but in case it's not, you know, in case it's Signed
0: up at the G-Bomb, sends note to 10,000, no. Um, it's <laughs> Shoot!
1: <laughs> that's that's, that's all it will say. Good stat, actually, on Gibbo. Uh,
0: since the turn of the year, he has uh, had 40 shots from outside the box and scored no goals.
1: Um, yeah, uh, b- before you slate his performance on the pitch, it was really, really, really unfortunate, I thought, that that whole saga. I thought it, it portrayed football fans in a horrible light. And I, I was saying earlier that I quite enjoy being part of the United community on Twitter, which I which I do a lot of the time and there's, there's some people on there I really like um, but there's a lot of nastiness as well and it's just pathetic it's you know the classic internet keyboard warrior nonsense hiding behind anonymity and distance and this perception of football as some as somehow being cartoon characters just basically hurled a bunch of abuse at a kid and whatever you think of his abilities as a football player he's playing for your team there's really 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 no need to slay him that hard you can you can talk about a player's performance without abusing him as a human
0: being totally t- absolutely and and uh it is the internet thing and uh, you know obviously i have pretty first-hand experience with that having having run this uh, blog for a number of years now and and uh, the email bag is is sometimes not very pleasant but i i don't think he would have he would have, most footballers have a pretty thick skin the, the thing is i think because they're used to this and um i guess he, he was just a little bit more sensitive about it than than others have been i'm quite sure that wayne rooney is getting a pile of abuse too maybe, maybe it's just a bit different that he got it from uh, from his own fans actually one thing I, I i do think is good is where they're able to take a little bit of mickey taking so or, or at least the fans are because because i don't think it's a sensible thing to revere these people all the time and, and i i think there are times when some self-humor is quite important and uh, you know, rio is pretty good at that and others are not and um so you know engaging with fans means engaging on all levels it means engaging with when you're good, engaging when you're great, engaging when they want to make fun of you.
1: Yeah, but this obviously there, there was no fun in what was happening to Darren Gibson and I think unfortunately a huge amount of it of course is down to sectarianism. Yeah. Because Gibson was eligible for Northern Ireland but chose to play for the Republic and so there's a part a part of the Northern Irish community uh, for whom that's an unacceptable betrayal and uh, basically an act of treason or something and it's that horrible sectarianism and and football and sectarianism have long been interrelated i mean in english football it's it's not quite as severe as it is well it's it's nowhere near as severe as is, is in Glasgow, for example, where Neil Lennon was threatened with a parcel bomb because he represents Celtic to so many people. But but yeah, I I think that that sectarianism was a huge part of what happened to. Yeah, Johnson. and uh, I mean he's
0: he's taken that for a long time as well, because of that decision about about international football. And I, I mean this it's it's um it's nice leading to to one of the big topics of the week really outside of United, because uh, obviously UEFA are investigating rain. Supporters singing of sectarian songs, uh, which apparently didn't happen in the recent Old Firm derby, but has happened in UEFA competition this year, and and it's about time too. And um, UEFA has been extremely weak on this because it's uh, it's racism in, in you know wrapped up in another word, uh, and may, maybe it's the acceptable face of racism for some people, uh, but it, you know it's it's clearly not acceptable. And and uh, I've been to an Old Firm derby. Um, I uh, I actually studied in Scotland for a while, and it, it wasn't aside from just about being the only person in Celtic Park not singing, uh, there was quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of abuse that I didn't like. I just didn't like the whole atmosphere actually, to be honest. But it's one it's one of those things that perhaps English fans don't get because it really doesn't exist. I mean, by tradition, Manchester United is a Catholic club, but you wouldn't know it, right? So it's um, it's
1: something that just doesn't affect football down here. No, oh, well, absolutely. It's but but it does when Irish fans get involved, you know, as they as they did because obviously United have a huge fan base in Ireland, which is is fantastic and there's there's you know loads of links between manchester and ireland and loads of links between the club and ireland not least you know roy keane for example but but when that sort of stuff creeps into united fandom just don't want anything to do with that thank you very much there's there's absolutely no need and darren gibson may well never turn out to be good enough for manchester united but there's no need to really personally slate him I I, I have a policy, actually. When I'm critical about one of the United players who's on Twitter, there's no way I'd put their Twitter handle in that criticism because like, I only would ever be critical for the purposes of analysis, right? Because that's what we do. We're trying to entertain people through football analysis, and you you can't do that if you're not analytical and not honest about how you feel about the games. But I have no interest. If if Rio makes a massive howler, I would never like link out Rio35 in, in a tweet about
0: it because what's the point? Uh, yes, but, I mean the counter-argument to that is it's a lack of transparency if, if you don't do that and uh, I suppose in a real-world setting it would be like slagging someone off behind their back uh, so he, he might he might decide that he'd rather hear that if, if you've got a valid criticism that's good analysis and um, is you know, maybe constructive maybe not constructive but at least is based on performance rather than uh, someone's actual personality of course, which is which is where Rio got in trouble for for um for his behaviour on well not really in trouble but got some uh, criticism for um carrying on the Piers Morgan moves debate. He he posted up a picture of himself in a ladies' training bra uh, saying he was testing it out for Piers Morgan, which was um, somewhat disturbing.
1: More than a little. Uh, leave Piers Morgan alone. He's just an idiot. He makes you look worse. It, attacking Piers Morgan makes you look worse. I think because the man is beyond parody. Anyway, uh, talking of beyond parody. We're playing Arsenal and in fact talking of Piers Morgan. Links all over the place. We're playing the Arsenal other weekend who have become a parody of themselves since losing that Carling Cup match. You said they'd won two games. One of those was against Leighton Orient at home. So they've been on an absolutely shocking run of form and have completely and utterly capitulated in what can only be described as a thoroughly Arsenal-like manner. Yeah, but it's not their fault.
0: It's, not, it's, it's, it's the referees it's the pitches it's the crowd it's the shape of the ball it's the gods it's the fact that a butterfly flapped its wings somewhere in China and has caused Arsenal to lose because they do nothing wrong Uh, they of course uh, play the finest football ever known to man Uh, it is you know the very epitome of the beautiful game they just don't win any trophies but he needs to win trophies because second's fine of course second's fine and uh, aside from Arsene Wenger believing that nonsense uh, apparently all their supporters do too
1: I don't think too many of their supporters do, in fact there was Wenger out has been ringing around the place and I, I don't know how I feel about that because the, the man was incredibly successful in his early tenure at the Arsenal and you know Fergie had a pretty rough patch, he's had a couple of rough patches in charge of United but he's always managed to come good I don't, I don't think this Arsenal side is showing signs of coming good and I think the thing that must be incredibly frustrating to Arsenal fans is just it's the same old story time after time and and, and the last few seasons they've been talked about as title contenders up until sort of February at which point you know it's all fallen apart and, and it seems kind of ridiculous to talk about them as title contenders because you just know that they're going to have a really really terrible march
0: right yeah and and look he can't keep going on about it being a young side he's done that for six years at what point are they no longer long, longer a young side and uh, their the average age is somewhat lower than United and Chelsea It's okay fine but but go sort it out it's not like he hasn't spent money he has actually spent money i mean scalacci didn't cost much but for mayland did and they bought Schumacher in on big wages and and stuff like that so they've they have gone and spent money not not to the level of of, of city and and chelsea but no one's done that not even to the level of united and, and united's uh, net spend isn't all that high by historical comparison um but uh, i think he's just failed i think he's failed with the players he's bought he's failed to address the, the core problems uh, if he had done that uh, In a a year when United is in transition, um, a euphemism for not being very good compared to some other United sides, and Chelsea has failed, uh, this was Arsenal's opportunity and they blew it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I saw an interesting statistic the other day, transfer spend, net transfer spend... Since two thousand and four, and Arsenal's positive ten million, United's negative one hundred million. Yeah, yeah, that's not correct, actually. I mean, was uh, oh, it not? No,
0: no, no, no. He, he, he that, I don't know where. I don't know. I, I saw that tweet too, and I went back through the figures. That's not right. That's, that's at least double the actual net transfer spend. So I'm not quite sure which figures he was using there, and from which financial years. But it's it's not quite correct. But um, United's net transfer spend is like fifty something. Yeah,
1: fifty something. Oh, right Gosh. Since two thousand and four. Two thousand and four thousand four, two thousand
0: four, five. Which financial year are we talking about
1: here? Uh, I don't know. You've started talking highfalutin economics there with your financial years and your accurate statistics. But anyway, yeah, I was pretty certain that was not correct. But it, but even so,
0: you know, Arsenal, uh, Arsenal's clearly they've they've spent uh, less than they've brought in. Some of that has been helped by some uh, pretty interesting fees: uh, uh, forty million combined for Adebayor and Torre, uh, I think uh, they were laughing all the way to the bank with that
1: pair yeah for sure Adebayor who looked has looked I haven't seen much of Real Madrid this season but whenever I've seen him play he looks like he's really trying he
0: he does look like he's trying he's he's not going to get a contract with them but it's the funny thing he really
1: does actually look like he's trying he's so good when he's he's up for it but he's just so rarely up for it Uh, talking of so good when he's up for it do you think we'll see the maligned sidelined figure of Dimitar Berbatov against Arsenal on Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, I
0: do. so look,
1: traditionally United have beaten well. I, I, how
0: how many is it? Eight in a row or something? Uh, it's is a lot of victories in a row against, uh, or you know, a, a great number of the last eight United have won. Uh, um, and, and traditionally, that's been done with with having a tight, you know, three man midfield, one up front, and bullying them out of the game. Because United changed that for the cup game, where they actually played the straight four four two. So it'll be interesting to see what Ferguson does, given how well the Hernandez Rooney gigs pairing has been and Giggs he said is going to get a rest Um, will he make a few changes and and I suppose the obvious changes might be to bring Anderson in and to bring Berbatov in and perhaps give Hernandez and Rooney a rest having said that uh, there's a few days until the Schalke game Uh, In a very good position, he could even rest Rooney and Hernandez for that one, knowing that the Chelsea game's coming up, which is the real crucial one. So, uh, full strength against Arsenal, full strength against Chelsea, make a few changes for Schalke. Uh,
1: Potentially, uh, I have to say, you know, uh, anyone that's listened to more than one episode of this show knows that I'm an absolutely massive Berbatov fan, but it's a huge risk to play him because he may well not contribute very much because he's really struggling at the moment Berbatov is now there's talk of him having a groin strain I guess if he didn't he would have at least been in the squad um, to face Schalke been on the bench you would imagine so you'd imagine that there really is an injury um, but but given that he was struggling before he went out injured and, and now has been carrying an injury how good a performance would you get out of him I, I think it'd be a
0: worry that's the thing and, and uh, of course if you played him in a, in a front friendly... Uh, one front, one played him up front on his own. Then, then you're not going to get the best out of him. And then that's probably the likely position if he if he did play. So it's it's true. And he's he's been injured. He's out of form. He hasn't scored much recently. He's he's only started one of the last 13 United games. Uh, it would be a big risk. The flip side is, of course, that that you you, you know want Rooney and, and uh, Hernandez if they're playing you know as well as they are to 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 be fresh. I mean, having said that, I mean Hernandez. Mendez has started 20-something games, Rooney hasn't played that many games this season either. They should both be pretty fresh.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and Rooney definitely looks sort of fitter and more up for it than he has all season. I mean, we're weird, you know, he said he said this after the game against Chelsea, but for sure we are peaking at the right time. Absolutely, uh, as long as they can maintain it for the next month or
0: so. It's 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 that game on, uh, well, you know, the the game's coming up in the next eight days and then that
1: game on, on May the 28th, that's the key one. The game is not coming up yet on May the 28th. We, we're not there yet, we're really not. I know Schalke were terrible, but you have to think they're going to show more than they did or at least there's a chance they will and we've hardly looked like we're definitely definitely going to be put, able to pull out a top draw performance every time we want to I guess you on the flip side to that it will definitely be our first string and we are at home where we've been really good and we are 2-0 up from the away leg so we'd have to lose by two clear goals
0: yeah I, I, look I think the thing is Ferguson focus went the calculation of, of making changes in forward areas and probably keep the back four together I mean, I mean Rio may not play I suppose uh, but um, Chaka going to have to score three at Old Trafford to beat us without reply
1: yes okay you're right it doesn't seem likely and I'm certainly going to predict a win when we come on to our predictions but I think it's I do think it's not out of the realm of possibility they put five past Inter at the San Siro yeah and Inter are a shocking
0: side this season just just awful so I look—I I just can't see it I can't I can't see Schalke getting anything out of this game it doesn't matter it's a dead rubber for me uh, I think uh, United will just do enough it doesn't they can lose they can lose and and it'd be fine uh, and so I think whoever they you know you can rotate the squad I, I I don't expect to see a couple of 16-year-olds at centre-half. I, I think he'll he'll build on a solid base, make some changes in forward areas to keep that bit fresh for the Chelsea game coming up the following weekend.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, I guess, if I was the manager, I would definitely put out the best team I could possibly put out whilst resting gigs against Arsenal. And you definitely think that he's got to play Park against Arsenal because he's, for some reason, there's just weird karma whereby Park will score every time he plays against yeah. Arsenal. And then you put the you put a slightly weakened team but as you say with a with a completely solid back four. Um oh by the way, talking of back four, Fabio played right back two games in a row, looked really good both times. Yeah, he's a, he's obviously a very
0: talented kid, isn't he? Yeah, he, he has looked very good. I I thought um some of the commentary on on uh, ITV for oh, United's it was game. Terrible. Just a more. And I I just I, got, I just got this feeling that the uh, Andy Townsend just didn't know the difference.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think you might be entirely entirely correct there. Also, I was thinking about that when you talked about uh, Giggs having played in central midfield, because Tilsley was giving it the old, um, was it Tilsley? I don't know, whoever it was, they're interchangeable, but the, the, the main commentator was giving it the old uh, Giggs as, re- you know, rediscovering, the, uh, discovering a new position at this stage of his career, and I was thinking he's been playing there for ten years, on and off, it's, you know, it's not that unusual, but anyway.
0: Yeah, you no, know, you're, you're right, it was it was on Sky, so it was, it was Tyler and, and whoever his co- commentator it. was, and I, I've completely forgotten, but yeah, it's the personalities of it uh, that that annoyed me and we talked about this in the world cup didn't we these people talk about football for a living no you and i are not making millions as as some of these pundits do from doing the rank cast i know we should and <laughs> you may send checks to the following PO box but it's uh these people do not research their jobs as highly as we do. I think. I mean, it's uh, it's it's simple. Watch football, understand who's playing. This is Fabio uh, to to start making comments like, um, oh, he uh, he's he's great going forward. He's just a bit impetuous in the tackle. It's been shown a few times before, and that was one of the first comments. I was like, no, no, you're talking about Raphael here. You're <laughs> definitely talking about Raphael because Fabio's barely ever played for United, and he just didn't know. And I mean, uh, Scott from the Republican Bank Union said on Twitter that in my head. Uh, I've, I know Rafael can cope with the big game, so I'm pretty sure
1: Fabio can too. <laughs> even though I know that's ridiculous, <laughs> and so, so, yeah. no, but I know what they—they they do have. An inc- I mean, they do have an incredible personal similarity, you know, as well as the fact that they look alike. They just feel the same on the pitch. They both, they they they've just seem to have an incredibly similar skill set as well. It is very, very, very odd and, and brilliant that they're at United because there's just these two fantastic players. Fabio's run in the first half against Schalke, where he ran the entire length of the pitch with the ball, any time two Schalke players, like he ran through the midfield and he ran through the fence. Right. And both times they tried to kind of close up the space in front of him and he just ran through it before they could close up the space because he just put on a little turn of acceleration.
0: Oh, jet jets, jet healed wasn't he? And, and uh, I think if he'd managed to get through his score we'd, we'd be talking in Leo Messi-esque superlatives wouldn't we? But um, it, it
1: was it was a Messi-esque run actually. That That's, that's a very good description yeah, but, of it. Oh,
0: but what was he doing on the left wing? He's a right back.
1: <laughs> so it's anyway. Just, you know it's a laugh isn't it? You just go up, you playing it right but you just go up left wing for a bit and in fairness like Schalke weren't stopping him were they Um, so right Arsenal predictions I I think United will go there and they will win I think that too
0: I think Arsenal are broken they've got nothing to play for I just I just don't see them pulling out the intensity of performance I think the only thing that would count against United is if Ferguson decided to change it up a bit for whatever reason and, and, and Bobatov played and they took a slightly more negative view of the game but even then I think United would grind out a result so I actually hope we go there and play in the attacking fashion with which we've rediscovered some form in the last few weeks and i i expect us to win at the emirates
1: look at this breaking news this is the great thing about football has been on twitter uh to get me lawyers to deal with phone hacking until end of season so i can focus on helping mufc win trophies thanks for all your support that's a terrible terrible wayne rooney impression is that the uh, the, the milk advert from the 1980s <laughs> Clinton Stanley? Who are they? Um, no, that was, that was at Wazzaruno8. That's how he talks in my head. He doesn't put um the word M in any of his tweets. I think he probably should. He uses up valuable characters, of course. Okay, so score against Arsenal. I, I, do you know what? Just for romantic reasons, let's say 3-1. It 3-1. It seems to be a, it to be a
0: popular be. score against Arsenal, doesn't it's it?
1: It's got to be 3-1, and Park's going to definitely score at least once. That's my prediction also. I'm, 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 and, th- I, and, and
0: of, course, of course, what was the first thing they said about Park? Come on, come on, just have a guess on the commentary on Tuesday night. Was the first piece of analysis, if we can call it analysis, offensive to the dictionary? That is, but c- come on, just have a guess. What do you think they said? What was the word that they used? Was it a uh, great vision? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what they said. Yeah, they said uh, yeah, you got great vision, better than 2020. He can he can spot a ball like a hawk six miles away.
1: <laughs> Park the hawk. No, they said energy. Of course they did. It's compulsory, and 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 he always uses that energy to great effect against the Arsenal, and then. The Schalke game, well obviously you 're predicting that we 'll get through and and listen, I think we'll get through too, but it's, it, I just it's not a foregone conclusion is all i 'm saying we 're in a fantastic position, but complacency is the enemy of success
0: Well, it is, uh, but I, 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 I think there's well enough drilled to to not be complacent now i, I, th- I think I, I predict. That we will win, but it will be a kind of slightly frustrating, not a brilliant performance, because there will be a few changes.
1: uh, But it will be enough. And to the people that have asked us to talk about Barcelona, well, come back next week when, if we get past Schalke, we'll talk about Barcelona. I I think we'll win that Schalke game. I think it will be 2-1. I think maybe Schalke will score first, just to set the cat among the pigeons a little bit and and ruffle some feathers as a cat amongst the pigeons would. Yeah, well,
0: I'm going to say 1-0 in that case. I I I don't see Schalke doing anything...
1: No, I think I think Raúl has to score at some point in this tie. Yeah,
0: I barely, I barely remembered he was playing in the last game. I'd, but we can talk about Barcelona because we can talk about Barcelona being almost certainly in the final. Uh, they were, they were they fully deserved their victory against Real Madrid I thought because they were the only team on the pitch that actually tried to do some attacking uh, and it had 70% of the possession uh, against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu and um, I, I think that in itself was criminal and, and I know it was an unlucky red card for Real Madrid and it, and it was but but it's got nothing to do with some kind of intergovernmental conspiracy against Real Madrid uh, and pro Barcelona to, to make sure Barcelona uh, have to win, um, this is, win.
1: This is typical of world media, everyone is thinking that this Barcelona is great and Jose is crazy, but no Jose is not crazy, there's a conspiracy they've even got to you Ed I'm never appearing on the show again I don't know who I'm doing, this voice is clearly not Mourinho, but whatever anyway, now he's become Russian um, sorry, I, my accent went just completely wrong, but Ed you're crazy, of course it's a conspiracy otherwise, why would they have been sent off, and why would Chelsea have got the result, got beaten by Barcelona, and, and all these other terrible aggravations that Mourinho has had to suffer. Actually,
0: Ferguson complains about referees, and obviously he's got in some trouble for it, uh, and he should be more careful with the words he uses, particularly when he complains about referees, and he won't get in trouble for it, because everyone else complains about referees. M- Mourinho, though, takes him one step further, and he just, aside from it, he, he just seems to love the drama of it all, uh, because it's then all about him, and, and uh, his his super-ego needs massaging. He... he is he, is he just genuinely paranoid or is it, is it a way of just refocusing on something else aside from the fact that his Madrid team for the second time in a little over a week against Barcelona at the Bernabeu you know, the home of European football has just sought to defend with you know, eight defenders so they played no strikers, none, none they played three, they played an attacking midfielder and a couple of wingers sort of in forward positions and a defender and two defensive midfielders so they basically played a 4-6-0 form and and we're hoping to get a 0-0. Yeah,
1: I mean, you can't quite call it a 4-6-0 because Ronaldo was playing and so he's at least half a striker because because he, he can quickly he, I mean he's played centre forward and he can quickly get himself into that position but no you're, you're absolutely right I, I think he's genuinely paranoid I think he's genuinely slightly unhinged Mourinho and it often counts in his favour but I don't think I, I think if he was just trying to take attention off his I mean I guess what I think is if he was just trying to take attention off his players he would have made an outburst but less intense than the one that he did unless he thinks that the stage is so huge he has to have the greatest of all outbursts in the history of outbursts in order to take the pressure off his players. And and in fairness, there hasn't been a, barely a word of coverage in the mainstream media of, of the actual game because the Mourinho thing was so much of a bigger story than the game
0: itself well yeah it was a horrendous game I mean uh, saved by by Messi's brilliance at the end Uh, just a horrendous game with diving on both sides Uh, just it's just it's just absolutely I mean Sergio Busquets has no place on the field of play and and Danny Alves is much better and, and and others on the Real Madrid side too and it's just it's just awful and and this is you know the biggest club game there is at the moment people from hundreds of countries Maybe 200 countries are tuning in to watch that. And it was just awful. It was awful.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm deliberately unpatriotic. I'm unpatriotic to a fault. I, I think patriotism... The, the old phrase, patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel, holds a great deal of truth because it's about an identity which is, by its very nature, exclusive and all these kinds of things. So so I do not speak as a patriot. But I would watch English football rather than Spanish football every day of the week. And I'm also a huge fan fan of passing as an art form just one person giving a ball to another person in an effective manner is something I find very aesthetic and pleasing so so between not being a patriot and loving passing I still find Spanish football difficult to watch because of all the rolling around there's a lot of rolling around and, and
0: actually um, a, a nice link into something else I wanted to talk about uh, the ball is round to go around Jimmy Murphy's famous phrase I don't know whether you saw United the the BBC documentary on the Munich Uh, air crash this week Uh, beautifully shot and uh, very touching film and couldn't help but to be touching i thought with uh, the subject matter of course but such a wide variety of stories it was impossible to get them all in so they kind of concentrated on the the bobby charlton jimmy murphy relationship and uh, and their struggles to to bring Manchester United back from the brink, and uh, I, I thought an excellent an excellent film.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm going definitely going to watch it. I have to admit that the reason I haven't is I'm sort of plucking up the courage to watch it because I know it's going to be painful because it's obviously a very painful story. And and I have to say I, I would watch it. Whichever club that had happened to, you know, it's not because it's a United story, but because it's a, an incredible story of triumph in the face of adversity. You know, Bob Bobby Charlton's whole career is is an absolute miracle of fortitude that that he was able to rebuild from that. Point to being a World Cup winner and a European Cup winner. I mean, absolutely incredible. And Matt, Matt Busby's—you know—the fact that Matt Busby was able to raise another team and and compete in Europe and win in Europe, just literally to be able to take a team on a plane again, you know, is is a, is a, is going to be a really difficult thing to do psychologically speaking. Obviously, the the one the one really unpleasant thing is it's <laughs> there's just the whole Munich thing, and and there's been a lot of. City... Munich stuff, and I kind of just don't want. I, I just, I know I just brought it up myself, but I just don't want to talk about it anymore because I really think that one of the reasons it's, it's like any bully, they just bully to get a reaction, and you know, Man City fans only sing about Munich to get a reaction, and and it's pathetic. And just as it, I find it pathetic when United fans sing about Hillsborough or about Heysel, and I find it even more pathetic when United fans try and draw a moral distinction because of the nature of those events. Uh, especially Heysel, because it has absolutely nothing to do with the vast majority of Liverpool fans, or whatever. anyway, whatever. But yeah, it's, 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 it's. I, I'm, I'm kind of, in a way, looking forward to watching United, um, uh, but in a way, I'm, I'm slightly dreading watching it as well. I have to say, Sir Alex said uh, he didn't watch it. They don't need to make TV programmes about the history of this magnificent club. He said, I, I don't buy it. I think he watched it. Yeah, well, he uh, he he doesn't apparently read any of the
0: criticism uh, except when he talks about it. So yeah, I, I, I'm sure he I'm sure he did, and uh, I did, there were there was some criticism in the press, which which is natural. Uh, Sandy Busby came out and said he was disgusting. I think it was just to do with a, the slightly odd portrayal of Busby, which was it uh, uh, just came across as a slightly sinister. It was actually he was actually a fairly minor figure in the whole drama. So, but they, there you go. I I, I thought it was a, an excellent piece, uh, especially I guess for the. Uh, younger fans who, who weren't around at the time and, and I'm sure all supporters know exactly uh, what happened have read much of the history but uh, it's a nice dramatisation.
1: It's interesting it just sorry just I, I know you're moving on it's been a very long show um, but but I, I was at work the next day and, and somebody was saying that they'd watched it with their girlfriend and, and the, the the person that I was talking to is a Blues fan Birmingham City fan and he was saying that he, he really literally didn't realise that Bobby Charlton was on the plane and this is a, a Blues season ticket holder since he was 15 he's a big football fan it's interesting to me that, that you would never have learnt that in the course of things you know he's a person that pays attention to football and knows quite a lot about it so, so that was interesting and he also said he, he watched it with his girlfriend who's basically started you know being interested in the man United results because of that story which which is a kind of interesting microcosm for what happened to United because that's where the global following started you know it's
0: yeah uh, it, it, indeed indeed and a global following that that will be following United all the way to uh, Premier and Champions League glory we hope <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not ready to start talking about glory. I'm not even sure we're going to get to the final. So, so actually winning it seems a hugely long way off. But, but I do think it's just
0: it's just negative. That's no, no, no. I, I, it's always I, been your problem.
1: I, I think we'll get there. I'm just not not ready to pop the metaphorical champagne cork because, or the the fizzy mineral water cork in my case. It, I think we're going to beat Arsenal 3-1, and I think we're going to beat Schalke 2-1. You've said uh, 3-1 and 1-0. We'll come back next week and and see how we did. Um, I can't remember what we said. We always say that, and I I never remember what we predicted. I can't remember what we said last week, but I'm pretty sh- no. I'm pretty sure we both predicted two wins, and that's yes. that's what happened.
0: Yeah. So in fact, we'll, from next season, we'll keep a tally in that case, and we'll 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 come with a prize at the end of the season who who got it right most.
1: Is that is that a commitment then to to do the rankcast for another season? I I think so. All right.
0: Do do Rankcast listeners wish to Rankcast?
1: I I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, if if there's still a demand, we'll keep up the supply. It's it's been an incredible week. Uh, let's hope that this time next week we're talking about definitely being in the Champions League final and being in the absolute box seat for the Premiership, which it looks like we might be. I I think that's the case. Uh, I the only thing that
0: can derail us now is if if we get beaten twice by Arsenal and Chelsea, uh, and I just don't see it. I just don't. See it happening. I think I even think that uh, we can afford to lose against Chelsea basically.
1: Well fingers crossed we won't even have to because we'll beat Chelsea. I I actually think that on our day our best 11 is better than Chelsea's best 11 at Old Trafford and of course Chelsea have no idea who their best 11 are. Oh massive 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 congratulations by the way in order to Fernando Torres for uh, scoring a tap-in in the midst of an absolute thrashing uh, against a relegation struggling side worth every penny of that 50 million pound. It certainly was. It certainly
0: was. I suppose it's all relative. That 50 million was probably loose change down the back of Roman Abramovich's house-sized sofa. Uh, but yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. bargain of of the century.
1: Pleasure as always, Ed. I'll see you next Will week. Will
0: do. Bye now.